Level up your LA Kings experience with the new Vivid Seats Elite Seats. All the on-ice Kings action with even more exclusive access. Enjoy great seats to the game along with premier dining inside the Lexus Club with all-you-can-eat food and non-alcoholic beverages. Plus, get a free Team LA Kings item and parking with your purchase. Score your Vivid Seats Elite Seats tickets today and earn rewards on each purchase from the only ticket company that rewards you for buying. Experience it live with Vivid Seats, the official partner of the LA Kings. You're listening to an L.A. Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit lakings.com slash podcast. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the L.A. Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. All right, it's Monday. Uh, We're going to deviate from the plan a little bit. Ordinarily, we would do King of the Week in this situation. Um, But given the current state of affairs, I just... Don't feel like it, frankly. It's not a very good excuse. But I just, uh, after having hosted King's Talk um, for every game in this little stretch, um, and we're recording this Sunday afternoon, uh, or Sunday evening, excuse me. It's a Sunday afternoon game. Jack Jablonski joining me, by the way. How are you doing today, Jack? Oh, hey, Jesse. How are you doing? Sorry, I'm bouncing all over the place. Um, but it just didn't really feel, I didn't want to invite uh, somebody from outside the Kings to come in and have to do King of the Week and not be able to, you know, discuss the frustration or disappointment that people are having. I, I didn't think that'd be fair. So Jack's joining me here today. And Jack, I want to talk about two young players in lieu of King of the Week. Um, and the first one is Alex Turcott, because Alex Turcott was recalled yesterday on Saturday, played in his first game of the season today, Sunday, January 28th. And I thought looked really good alongside Arthur Kaliev and Trevor Lewis. Yeah, you know, it's he's in a limited role. Obviously, first game up, you know, it's a tough situation to be put in no matter how old you are or how much experience or expectation you have on you, given the status of of how the team is playing. Um, So I agree with, you know, by all means, looked good, looked like he belonged. And, you know, he's been having an outstanding year in uh, in Ontario. So. You know, he, he just recently got back from a minor injury, which is great. Obviously, he got his feet under him. He scored a few goals and then obviously got the call up as of recent. So, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to do a feature article on him earlier in the season. Um, you know, I, I know in talking to him, his number one priority is health. And, and he feels he's confident that if he's healthy, he belongs up in the NHL. So uh, a great opportunity for him. But most importantly, you know, good for him. He deserves the opportunity. Um, he's put in the work and then hopefully, um, he can do what he needs to do to stay, but you know, this is a good step one for him. Yeah. And it's only one game and it was today's game, but in that game, he and Kaliev and Lewis played, I want, I think it was about six minutes, maybe together as a line at even strength. Um, I think maybe Turcott played eight minutes and change, uh, all in all in the game. But all of the numbers that you might want to look into were tilted in his favor. Um, and and never mind that, the eye test. Yeah, he played 8 minutes, 37 seconds. And uh, in those 8 minutes, 37 seconds uh, at all strengths, 17 shot attempts for, 3 shot attempts against. Um, actual shots on goal, 8-4, 1 against. Um, scoring chances, 5-4, 2 against. High danger, 3-4, uh, 1 against. I mean, when they were out there, they were making things happen. And yeah, well, we I think, you know, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, Jesse. No, uh, you know, one of the biggest things that I think we talked about uh, 
or at least have alluded to in this skid is the secondary and depth scoring and, and creating. So obviously if you can, you know, bring up a, you know, a fourth line, so to speak, or, you know, one of the depth lines that can start creating a little bit more offense. You had a guy like Turcotte who, of course, he's a 200 foot player. That's what he's been advertised as someone who can play, you know, started at center, can play wing, um, you know, for a guy who is, you know, just, hoping for a shot a chance to to stay in the nhl you know of course if he can provide an offensive spark for a team that needs it you know that's that's all of an opportunity that one could ask for and i think he has an additive effect and and listen i don't know if this is true this could just be you know the kind of narrative building that fans want to do but i am a firm believer in chemistry um anybody who's listened to me for long enough knows that I, you know, the phrase that I love to toss around is the power of friendship. Um, I think it's an absolutely real There's thing. There's a lot of phrases you toss around. Jesse. Sure. <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I absolutely believe in it. And I've told this story before. I'm going to tell it again. A friend of mine was doing uh, landscaping in, uh, in a family member's backyard. He had started a sort of, you know, his own landscaping business. And he had basically hired a bunch of his dumb friends, me included, to help him out. Or I can't remember if we were getting paid. We might have just been volunteering. And we had to lift these really heavy paving stones. Uh, and I can't remember if we were taking them from the truck to the yard or from the yard to the truck. But either way, there was about four or five of us. And we had to move an incredible amount of stones from point A to point B. And at one point, I was just running my mouth. I wasn't lifting anything. I was just sitting there. I was just rambling and ranting. And uh, one of my friends, who I liked more than the rest of them that were there, looked at me and not cruelly or meanly, but just, you know, in a very pointed Matter way. Said, fact. Yeah. Just said, Hey man, why don't you shut up and pick up a stone? Yeah. And I was so ashamed in that moment that he was right and calling me out for it, that I did it. Had the, one of the other four guys said it, I wouldn't have. Right. Cause I just didn't like them as much yeah. as I liked him. Um, yeah. For, I, it kind of reminds me, it kind of reminds me a lot of, of the, the Drew Doughty post game interview after i believe maybe buffalo or yeah it was uh, buffalo the so game the reason i bring it up is that i don't know what it is about alex turcott but i believe that he and arthur Kalia bring out the best in each other um well not the not the largest of track records but you go it's back incredibly to small sample size but yeah. i well, i've seen it in yeah. interviews and practices and now in a game, there is something about the way that the two of them play that complements the other or that pulls out something from the other. And and listen, I would equate it to more Deneau and Arvidsson. Each of those three players is perfectly talented and perfectly capable of playing in the NHL on their own. But there is something mm -hmm. about the three of them when put together uh, that simply works. And, and you can see it. You can hate this phrase, but you can feel it when you're watching them play. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I as well, I believe in chemistry. You can't just throw three people and expect them to, to vibe. You know, you, frankly, you know, you can pull out any example in the world, but, yeah. um, you know, Crosby doesn't vibe with certain players, and you know, it's random pieces that fit into uh, an equation that that make it uh, the right answer. So, um, you know, so does you know, you you mentioned you know Trevor Moore, you know Deneau and uh, Victor Arvidsson. Um, you know, I just go back to, you know, your prime, your prime example with <laughs> yeah. Arthur Kaliev and, 
and Alex Turcott, you know, again, extremely small sample size. They've played together and they've played against each other much of their careers um, growing up. Of course, they won the gold medal um, against uh, the stacked Team Canada, um, you know, like 18 first round draft picks team in the COVID year when they were um, paired up with uh, Trevor Zegras on the top line and, and you know, obviously won. So um, if there's anyone that you could try to get more out of Arthur Kaliev, because obviously he's been a contentious player point, you know, in talking to Todd McCull in post games or, you know, practice, whatever it may be. Obviously, you know, they want more out of Artie. Um, if if Turka can do that and they can create offense, be, you know, statistically, you know, on the uh in the green so to speak opposed to the red then by all means um more of that yeah and it's i mean it's we're now at a point where because of the salary cap you do have to be mindful of of cost and, and the cost of the players and and alex turcott and arthur kaliev are not expensive players and you know arthur kaliev if i'm not mistaken is on the final year of his entry-level contract off the top of my head, I'm not sure about Turcotte, but I suspect he is as well. So now neither one of them is going to command a huge payday in the offseason. But if you can extract value you got half the season, Jesse, who knows? Well, that's but that's the thing. If you can extract value from low yeah. cap hit players, you have to do it. Um, so anyway, I, that wasn't the point of this. The real point of it was I just wanted to say good job, Alex Turcotte, because we're not doing a full king of the week, but I guess he'd be the, the honorable mention for this week. Um the other young player I wanted to talk about is Quentin Byfield. He only played two games this week out of the four, but he's just really good, Jack. He's just a really good hockey player. Yeah, he's really blossomed this year. Yeah. Uh, of course, obviously, he's setting career highs, you know, given, you know, he hasn't been in the NHL full seasons yet, but, you know, playing top lines, paying, playing, you know, power play minutes, um, you know, he has very much turned into the player that, Kings organization and Kings fans would hope that they saw when, when he went number two overall, Um, you know, when you look at his game, you know, you talk about that chemistry. He is the guy on that top line with Kopitar and Kempe. Of course, that's where he's mainly been for, you know, 21 and a half of the last 24 games or basically the whole season. So, you know, he is very much that guy that has been able to, create loose pucks, create offense, go do some of the dirty work and, and, you know, make life a little bit easier for the other guys. And, and of course it's, it's paid off beneficially for, for everyone. You know, he's, he's aggressive. He's a, a you know, a pain in the ass to deal with, with his size and aggression. So um, by all means, you know, Q is, is exactly what the Kings could hope for. And you talk about paydays in the off season. Um, he will not be one of the, um, uh the low figure numbers no. uh coming into next year uh with the year that he's having but by all means you know it's it's because he's doing good things and and we need him to right now yeah it'll be curious to see what when kind he's of, in the lineup and not sick yeah know? yes <laughs> it'll be curious to see what kind of contract he commands this summer because there's an argument to be made either way on his for his benefit right you could either say listen lock me up to an eight year and I'll take, you know, and I, I want, you know, Tim Stutzla money or whatever. But but it also makes sense for him to ask for a short-term, you know, a bridge contract, a prove-it contract, right? Because it'll make 
some money in the short term. And if he's any, you know, if he continues to develop his game, um, he will quickly command uh, a tremendous amount Lots of, money. of money. Yeah. I did want to talk about him specifically for this week, though, because his game is when he's playing at wing, he's doing, you know, he's not necessarily quote unquote driving that line. Um, but we have he doesn't seen, need to. Right. But we have seen him played at center briefly. And when he was, he was driving that line. And McClellan yeah. was incredibly, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, complimentary of him when he was put at center. And you know, listen, it was a short stint. But moving forward, if we're looking at, you know, new line combinations or or jumbling things, whether to just spark a a change or whether, you know, Victor Arvidsson, Victor Arvidsson, excuse me, his return will require them to jumble the lineup. You now know, well, shouldn't say no. It it now looks very much like Quentin Byfield could be an option at center. Whereas at the start of the season, it was sort of like, well, he's played a top line wing for, you know, with Kopitar and Kempe for half a season. And that was real good. So we don't want to split that up. We don't want to put too much pressure on him. But now it's like, no, look, he can do it. He can do it and, and yeah. look good doing it. Yeah. You know, again, small sample size, but by all means, very commanding and, and very comfortable back in his, I guess, original position when he mm-hmm. was drafted. So um, it, it poses an option. You love options as coaches. You don't like to be, you know, you know, handcuffed or one arm tied behind your back type of thing. So knowing that you can move Q to a, a responsible center role that can still create offense, that can still provide some of the assets that we see with Q at wing is, is a great option. Now I think he's a little bit more freed up on the wing side because he doesn't have to deal with, you know, getting, you know, dealing with the the defensive side of the puck as much as the center would. So it allows him to be a little bit more aggressive on the forecheck to kind of go into the corners and, and, and know that he has that safety net, especially when you've got the, you know, Selkie-esque Anze Kopitar on your line. So, so that helps. But at the same time, I think, you know, just looking at the involvement and, you know, you, it had to be such a relieving feeling going into this off season when, you know, while the, the Kings did pick up PL Dubois, they didn't go and pick up a guy that was going to be a top winger that was going to replace him. They said, this is that top line. We believe you're that position right now. We believe in you. And for him to, to go into an off season, knowing that, feeling comfortable, being able to grow in his game, you know, prepare for that. I think as a 20-year-old or however old he is now, time flies. But for him to be able to do that, I think that goes a long way for his confidence. And obviously, it's shown immensely in in every opportunity that he's been given this season. I do want to talk about two more players because uh, this week, um, you know, the Kings continued to uh, struggle, for lack of a better word, some disappointing losses. but looking at the team in those four games, there were three players who were on the ice for more even strength goals than they were on the ice for against. Um, Drew Doughty was on for three against for three. So that's 50%. There are only three guys that were on for more than they were against. It's Quentin Byfield in those two games. And it's Adrian Kempe and Andre Kopitar. Um, Kopitar was on for five against for one. Kempe was on for four, uh, four goals, four, one goal against. And that's at five on five. If you include all strengths, uh, Kopitar 
was on the ice for seven goals for two against Kempe was on the ice for six goals for two against um, that line, though, not producing offense at the rate it did earlier in the season continues to be a, a dominant possession line, which is not nothing. Now it's not enough as we're seeing because the team is struggling to score goals and struggling to prevent goals against. So it's not enough, obviously, to turn things around. But it is still a foundation that any future success can be built upon, right? You need to control the things you can control, and you need to outplay your opponents, and that line continues to do it. So I I do think Kempe and Kopitar deserve praise for uh, for that, that performance, given over that four-game stretch, the Kings gave up a lot of goals. Yeah, you know, obviously it's, you know, they're at the roughest time of the season, given, you know, where the Kings were a month ago and where they are now. But, um, you know, it, you like to hope that it's trending in the right direction. And and I know that, you know, when you look at the numbers, you look at the stats, you should be doing a lot better than what has shown on the scoreboard at the end of the night, 14 of the last 16 games. So, uh, it, it's obviously frustrating. It's a struggle. You have the veteran leadership in in Kopitar, and you can even add Kempe into that conversation at this point in his career. But obviously, you know Drew Doughty, et cetera. And for these guys to be again leading the way as an example, not just in the locker room, does a lot about a club. But you know that's how successful organizations go. That's how successful teams go. That's how you get out of this rut and hopefully turn it around. It's not too late. Of course, they're still in a playoff spot as we speak. So. Um, while a lot less comfortable than we were maybe three, four weeks ago, uh, at the same time, you know, when your best players are still playing like your best players, then, um, that gives you hope. That's for sure. Yeah. And I do want to actually single out an additional player because I thought he did really well, uh, when called into service and that's Alex LaFerriere. Um, I was curious, I guess I still am as to why he was the solution to fill in for uh, Quentin Byfield, although Todd McClellan addressed it and talked about uh, LaFerrier's game and the the reason that he was chosen and the things that he does does well and how they complement Kopitar and Kempe. But I thought, particularly today against the Blues, Alex LaFerrier, to me at least, was noticeable um, and controlled and contributing in a way that I haven't seen from him in a while. And I'm not sure if there was something about his game or something about the way his game fits with Anshay Kopitar and Adrian Kempe that perhaps it doesn't fit with other players that he's been paired with. But today I saw, uh, I saw one of uh, close to the best version of Alex Laferriere that people have been describing for a while now. So I just wanted to give him some stick taps. As yeah, well. no, absolutely. You know, it's, it's gotta be a comforting feeling when you get the nod to be the one who's promoted in a lineup. Um, we know his offensive ability. He's got a great track record. Um, obviously, as a rookie, you know, his mind is continuing to evolve. It's a different game than college is. And he's playing against people that you idolize for years and all of a sudden your counterparts with them. And, and to get a call like that, obviously, in the last two games with um, uh, with with Byfield's illness, um, no question it's got to be uh, a comforting feeling, as I mentioned. So good for him. Obviously, you know, you talk about is it the style of play or is it, you know, just him in general? Um, don't know the answer. Can't give it to you, but 
Um, I agree. I think he's he's stepped up in a good way. Obviously, he picked up an assist on that first goal. So by all means, um, you know, again, uh, we talk about, you know, kings of the week or a lot of these standouts. Three of them are are all 22 and younger. Mm-hmm. And when the team comes back, assuming the mood is appropriate for it, um, I'm going to start <sighs> going to start asking again about guys playing on their offside because I too find it bizarre that we only have two right-handed shots in the lineup on some nights and both of them are playing left wing so we got to get into that yes um, it's a bit odd all right so uh, only one game on the schedule this week it is the Nashville Predators uh, every Monday we have you in here to uh, preview the week's games so uh, just that one Wednesday night um, where are the where are the Nashville Predators these days yeah well so you know again only one uh, game here and we talk about the Preds we played them two weeks ago so it was a, a low scoring game so what I did is I I went back and kind of just pulled some of the fancy stats or some of the more detailed stats that I thought were some interesting ones that mm-hmm. kind of led to how I felt the game ended up and why we lost two to one so you know again you're looking at a Preds team that is Five and five in the last ten. They're just playing, you know, your typical win loss, win loss hockey. Um, the Preds, you know, we talked about this two weeks ago, and it's they're just a very quote unquote, in my opinion, I use the term of like just a meat and potatoes team. Nothing fancy. They just they're a bigger team. They're more aggressive. You know, they don't have they've got Philip Forsberg, but beyond that, they don't have any flashy, you know razzle-dazzle type of players it's very you know your Ryan O'Reilly's who are just gritty big guys and so when we talked last uh, they are very successful they they rank high in the league when it comes to cycle chances four check chances areas where the Kings have been pretty good but then in this streak have have fallen down a little bit now I go back to the game that we played against them and you know four stats that I found interesting was uh, an area where I think the Kings early on were very successful and maybe in the last half of the, you know, the last month haven't been puck battles win percentage in the, the game against the predators, the predators won 63 and a half percent of the puck battles. So obviously that's not great. And then you go to scoring chances off the cycle, Nashville outchanced the Kings 11 to four. Scoring chances off the rush, which has obviously been a huge point of emphasis for the Kings. Nashville outchanced the Kings seven to three, and then high danger chances, uh, eighteen to eleven in favor of the um, the Predators. So, obviously, four stats that would lead you to believe that you know a team that won the game won all four of those stats. Um, now, I think this is interesting because. The Kings are a very, very good team when it comes to slot shots allowed, inner slot shots. They protect the paint really well. We rank second in both of those categories where Nashville succeeded in their win against the Kings as they also rank, um, you know, in slot shots, their eighth, fifth in inner slot shots. So a team that, you know, clearly likes to get the puck to the net. You look at the goals that they scored against the Kings. One was a tip in on the power play with Ryan Riley right in front of Talbot. The other one was a rebound with Gus, Gus Nyquist, who is um, just off to the side. So very much just get the puck and, you know, shoot it. Uh, another thing, uh, expect a low scoring game. They've scored the, the, excuse me, I can't speak English anymore. 
the uh, the Predators have played seven straight games where they have had a combined score between the two teams of five goals or less. So it's very take you know, the limit under. the chances both ways. Right. Yeah, take the under. Um, and then you know, knowing us now, it's going to be a seven to six game. Right. But <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> But, you know, that's just the trail that these guys, uh, mm. that this team is on. So you're looking at a team that packs it in. They're fine to play the ugly game, you know, very much like a version of the one three one where we're fine to make it a little boring at times, but we're content. And then for them, they're just fine with playing, you know, greasy hockey, so to speak. Get the puck to the net, get traffic, and get bodies. So um, two personnels uh, that I would be looking at would be obviously Roman Yossi. He's sixth among D in points, 49 games, 42 points, five points in his last five games. And then the kind of player out of nowhere, so to speak, would be Gus Nyquist. Obviously, he had the game-winning goal against the Kings. Um, he had a 10-game po- point streak snapped earlier this month. He's got 37 points in 49 games. Um, kind of that third forward on the team that's kind of blossomed in a higher role than what he's used to been playing. Um, when he was in um, in Columbus and then obviously played about a third line role in Minnesota at the trade deadline. So he's healthy. He's putting up points. And that's what I got from Nashville Predators. One extra detail I want to add is that we're recording this on the evening of January 28th. Nashville plays Ottawa on the 29th. St. Louis plays Columbus on the 30th. By the time this game takes place, uh, the LA Kings could find themselves out of a playoff spot before the game even begins. Correct. So this is going to be. Well, I don't I know. <laughs> I don't know what it'll be. But... Well, no, but I think I, I don't know if this is the point you're trying to make. I think because of where the Kings were in the standings, say, a month ago, mm-hmm. you know, fifth in the NHL, give or take. All of a sudden it was a. I think the mindset, at least in my opinion, was like, okay, these are the middle tier teams. Like, we should handle them. Mm-hmm. Things have obviously taken a step back where all of a sudden the Kings are in that middle tier right now. You know, they have the ability to be one of the best in the league. We've seen that through the first 25, 30 games of the year. But all of a sudden, because of the 14 out of 16 that has brought us back down into that middle tier. These are the games that matter. These are the four point swings. You know, of course, I feel that we believe if we get rolling again, we can make a push to get back into the top three of the division. But at the same time, now these are the games that you, you know, you look at the St. Louis's. We have the same amount of points as St. Louis, you know, Nashville, same amount of points as them. And there's about four or five other teams that are within two wins from being right where the Kings are. So these are those four point games, not just those division matchups anymore. Yeah, every year when we do the top 10 questions uh, facing the team, I always make the first question, what will the rest of the Pacific Division do? Because at some point, a team's fortune in the in a hunt for a playoff spot is not 100% controlled by them, right? I had a conversation yeah. with somebody and they asked me, honestly, at the beginning of the year, did you expect Vancouver to be in the top three in the Pacific Division? I said, no, no, I didn't. Well, they are they are with a bullet, right? They're number one in the conference. So that's one of those spots that isn't up for grabs and it has nothing to do. You couldn't stop. It. I don't even think we've played Vancouver yet. Right. So there's literally nothing. No, we, could we, have <laughs> we couldn't have robbed a point from them if we wanted to. So 
this we're good at robbing one point though sure um but this string of games that the the kings are not participating in like i said nashville plays ottawa st louis plays columbus let's say those two teams win those games and uh, or or lose in overtime whatever and find themselves ahead of the kings in the standings suddenly that game on wednesday becomes an opportunity for the kings to pick up a win jump back in kick you know kickstart it at all blah 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 if Nashville loses and St. Lu- and St. Louis loses and the standings stay exactly as they are, well, then losing to Nashville, I think, if I'm not mistaken, would not drop the Kings out of a playoff spot. Now, having said that, there's more than 30 games left in the season, so there's still plenty of time. But I just mean like sort of, you know, for the mood, for the optics, for whatever. The game on Wednesday could be incredibly important or it could just be, a, you know what? Few, we made it. Here's the all star break. Everybody, call you know, we can figure out what we're going to do with our 10 days off. Um, but we won't know that until Wednesday, and we're recording on Sunday, so we just don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, I think when you look in the locker room or the way that the guys have talked, uh, the way that Todd has talked, you know, it's, I think, the the must win, you know, the quote of the must win game. Mm hmm. It feels like that moving forward because, you know, there's a lot up in the air in terms of you've got 10 days off to kind of reassess where is this team going and what direction, you know, it's just a matter of there's a lot that can change, you know, when it comes to one game, because like you said, you've got two games that are out of our hands that could completely move us up and down the standings. And then at the same time, you're looking at a team that's struggling, you know, what do you do to get this team back on the, on the right track, so to speak? So, um, of course, it's a big game. You've got the All-Star break coming up, a nice little time, a few days away for, you know, almost everyone on the team who isn't going to be going to the All-Star game. So being able to kind of reset, refresh, get some, you know, time away from the rink, so to speak, to, to hang out with your family and, and just, you know, get healthy, so to speak. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out because the Kings, I think this is a, a very important game that could either set them on the right track moving forward or or who knows what happens after that. And to be clear, I am positive that every single player in that locker room, every single member of the coaching staff, every single member of the front office, and probably all of the broadcasters would tell me I'm crazy for even suggesting that uh, the Kings place in the standings on Wednesday when that game takes place would have any sort of impact on it. I'm sure every single one of the people I listed would tell you, you got to win that game, or you've got to at least care about winning that game. You have to, all the things that you would expect them to say. I'm just saying as a fan, if we're in ninth place, when that game starts, my feelings about the outcome are going to be different than if we can't be any lower than eighth. I, and it's stupid. <laughs> it's stupid because it doesn't matter because there's a whole half a season left and there's a 10 day break and you need to win them. You need to get as many points as you can. I'm just telling you, that's that's where I'm at um, on uh, on January 28th. Anyway, Jack, uh, let's really quickly, briefly wrap up with some very short all star break talk. Usually in years past, we spent a long time talking about the all star game, the festivities and everything. And I'm here to tell you that I have officially reached a point where. I know it's not for me, and so I'm not uh, whatever they want to do. I hope it's fun. Yeah, it's a new it's a new system. Uh, I don't know if "system's" the right word, but it's a new uh, a new program, setup, you know, a new script, new pro- program. Yeah, um, no, it's it's something. It's like a points related thing. It'll be very interesting. I think this is. Uh, I think this will be an interesting one. Um, 
I think it'll be a little bit more engaging slash competitive, so to speak, um, which I think is what you want. Good, hard fun uh, when it comes to the best athletes in the world uh, at the sport competing against each other for a few bucks, just uh, just a few pennies um, <laughs> in their bank account. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think it'll be fun. Um, I like I like the system or the setup, the the program, so to speak, as Jesse would call it. Um, so I think it'll be a, a nice reinvigorated, rejuvenated um, skills competition, so to speak. But, you know, the game itself, it's just it's yeah, whatever. It's, it is exactly. It doesn't mean anything, um, in my opinion. Um, I plan on ignoring it completely because I need 10 days away from thinking about hockey. So I'm out. <laughs> That's fine, Jesse. Check you've, out. <laughs> you've been on the grind for 40 something games. It yeah. can take you 10 days off. Couldn't tell you uh, a single thing about uh, what's going to happen this weekend, but congrats to Cam Talbot. I honestly believe he. Do you like the earned, uh, Justin Bieber designed jerseys? No. Uh, I, I don't have to. I'm a forty. I'm a forty-five year old man, yeah. and I'm not going to buy one. So I don't hate them or anything. I've seen people say they're like terrible. Like I don't. At this point, I don't care. You're they're not getting all, a Cam Talbot one. I'm not. They're novelty jerseys. They're not for me. I. I hope. Fair enough. I, honestly, at this point, here's here's what I really actually do come down on them. I don't like them. I don't think they're going to work. But I hope they the jerseys? do. Jerseys? Well, I just mean as far as like bringing new fans to the game or whatever. They'll work. People will wear them and they'll hold up. They're not going to disintegrate on them. But I just genuinely hope that like my little sisters who are. Well, one's in her 20s and one's in her late teens. Yeah, neither one really of them particularly neither one of them particularly cares about hockey. I hope that they do now because Tate McRae and Justin Bieber and whoever else is Did I say that right? Is that who's Yeah, okay. yeah. All right, got Are it right. Big All Tate right. McRae fan, Jesse? Nope, don't even know who she is, really. I've seen her picture and I thought that was her name, so I took a stab at it and I got it right. Listen, I genuinely is, hope uh, is, it works. Is Tate McRae equivalent to what Cutter Gotia is to t- John Tortorella? <laughs> Probably, exactly. Um, I don't know I, her from a hole in a wall. Yeah, I mean, I'm I know Basil McRae. I don't know if they're related or not. Um, I'm gonna guess no. No, probably not. Um, let Ancestry.com be the defining factor. But I do genuinely hope that the league's attempts at attracting a younger audience who has previously not cared about hockey work, um, I just is not for me. So that's that. Fair enough. I take Fair it enough. you do like them. I think they're cool. I think they're. Young and hip, which I guess fair I'm enough. Asking you, yeah, you're not young. I am neither. No offense. <laughs> no, no offense. none, none taken. Um, <laughs> so they're yeah, touche. But uh, no, I think they're cool. I think it's, I think it's refreshing in terms of just you know they're they're different, and um, I don't think they're ugly. So that's that. More power to them. Jack Jablonski, thank you so much for joining me. We will speak again after the All Star break when we preview another week where there's only one game, and uh, woohoo! We'll talk to you then. <laughs> Sounds good. Enjoy your 10 days, Jesse.